Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to katherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the new season of the Wintering Sessions. We're ringing the changes a little bit this season. I'm going to talk to you a bit more because, um, well, I thought it'd be nice to take you out with me. I'm on the beach at the moment. The tide's low, it's early afternoon, the sun's low already. I know you guys all love to hear the seagulls, but actually out by the tide line, there's a couple who are feeding seagulls for reasons I don't fully understand, and the seagulls are mobbing them, so it's quite entertaining to watch. Anyway, rather than them be, they're vicious, the seagulls never cross a seagull. So oh, I'm thinking this week really about how to make it through the winter it's been really dark and cold quite suddenly very windy quite tricky to make it through those days without feeling a bit dreary (laughs) that's a really loud seagull (laughs) so I've been kind of doing my thing that I do to manage those dark cold days I've been getting ready for the rest of the season I've started pickling a few things. And in fact, quite excitingly, I've made a fermented cranberry sauce ready for Christmas. It's looking very pretty in the jar. I don't know if it will taste disgusting. I'll let you know. I've also made membrio, the kind of quince paste that goes really well with cheese. Turned out the wrong colour. I don't know why. Anyway, I did it. And with the peels and the cores of the quinces, I'm trying to make quince vinegar. All of which makes me sound like incredibly homely. And I should really tell you that my house is a complete tip amid all of this. Oh my God, the people being attacked by the seagulls are screaming now. I really don't know if I should rescue them. (laughs) But yeah, I'm, I'm not a domestic goddess. But... I do find it very soothing to cook, to kind of process things, you know, to bring in all those really beautiful winter vegetables and to spend some time chopping them and simmering them and stewing them down. I don't know. I find it really comforting. So that's what I've been up to. And also I keep reminding myself to drink in this light while it's here. The sun goes down so early and it comes up so late. The nights are really long now. So I'm reminding myself to get out. It's so easy to not leave my desk. 
I have a little note above my desk on a post-it note that says, go for a walk. And sometimes I remember to look at it and get out like this. Anyway, I want to tell you about this week's podcast. I'm talking to the brilliant Jen Pasteloff, who I think you'll love. She's so warm and wise. And we had what for me was a really interesting conversation about the link between shame and like the fear of not being understood, which she understands because of her deafness and I understand because of my autism. I think it's a different perspective on those things than maybe we hear sometimes. Anyway, I'm sure you'll let me know what you think. And I'll be pausing in the middle of the podcast to tell you about a new phase for this podcast, I suppose, which is that I'm starting a Patreon to support it. I'll tell you all about it in the middle, so please do listen up. It will definitely help us to carry on just doing interviews that are with such brilliant people. Anyway, enjoy. Jen, welcome to the Wintering Sessions. We tried for this one last time, but I have I have like a little introduction for you in mind because I've slightly altered this season of the podcast. I used to get people to talk about a time in their life when they'd wintered. And I kind of want to make it bigger this season. I want us to talk about how to survive winter and like just share what we know, like this amazing toolkit for life people have. I mean, I still want all the anecdotes, absolutely. But I just, I just want it to get bigger in terms of what we're talking about. So I wanted to tell everyone, in case they haven't met you yet, that you are a writer, a public speaker, a yoga teacher, like a kind of master of the retreat. And I, you know, like I, I watch your retreats come past on Instagram and I think they look amazing. You forgot weirdo. I Yeah. I was going to slowly get around to that and like, you know, get it politely under the carpet later. Yeah, you're Um, you're, you're British. I know. It's it's very like, we'll get that in later. We're not very direct. (laughs) But also, I mean, your book uh, on being human is about so many different kind of winters, isn't it? I guess like it's about, you know, losing your father. It's about being deaf. It's about... Oh, anxiety and depression and eating disorders and like being a waitress. (laughs) But it's also about you as like a holder of people. Ooh, I I like that. I'm going to write that. That's kind of what you are, isn't it? You are a, a holder of people and you are a very like heart on sleeve, no bullshit person. And that's what I'm saying by way of welcome. Like anyone who's those people is welcome to my podcast. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny lately. I'm like, I wonder if my Prozac isn't as effective anymore because I notice usually I'm like emotionally constipated. I can't cry. And lately I've like, I well up. So it's a good thing. It's a good feeling. I think that is a post-pandemic thing. I think I want to cry about everything since the pandemic. Like, Do you cry you know, easily? Kitten. Yeah, kitten videos and I'm off right now. I just, you know, I miss it. It's like, it's not that I don't feel it. It's a, uh, it's just mm. part of the, the meds. It's, it's, you know, and, and it's fine. It's, 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 it's the, what do you want to call it? You know, <laughs> look, if I'm off, I can't function off them. So this is what I deal with, but it, I can't emote, right. you know, and, mm. um, but I miss that. I, I get envious when I see someone who can just cry so easily. Yeah. But being seen, I think, and I, I think you understand this. I've read your books. There's nothing like it to really feel like you're seen. And mm. so mm. thank you. Cause I I've I, I feel like you see me, you get me. I think that's why we we get on, you know, from I don't yeah. even remember how we first, you know, I don't know. Yeah, we were doing an event. I can't remember what it was for though. I was trying to think of that. I I did so many events, but I remember talking to you, you know, but I don't remember who we were. First, okay, you know, I was fangirling. Your book came out and and blew up over here, wintering, you know, and it became like, you know, I think unexpected, right? Like big, and it was just the timing, you know, of course, of course you plan the pandemic so that the book would work and well done. Sorry, everyone. Sorry about the pandemic. And, and so I knew, you know, and I was like, oh, like the book just called to me because, you know, all my life I've been a depressive. All my life, you know, has been like, oh, you're so serious. Oh, you know, in winter, I've always felt like 
a darkness, you know, like, like I, and my mm. birthday's in December. I just associate. And I was like, oh, this book is calling to me. And I read it and it's, it's, it's a poem. It's a poem. It, it's, it's just so beautiful. And so of course I was, you know, in awe of you and yeah. And I stalked you online and then I got asked to do this a thing for one grand books. I think that's what it was through the Soho house, which sounds fancy. So I was like, okay. Yes. Yeah. It was really fancy because there were like, there were breakout rooms and stuff. It was really well organized. And yeah. And we got to have a chat while everyone was in a breakout room, which was really cool. And it was short and we started talking and I was like, oh, we are, we need to talk more. (laughs) And and I also saw a lot of myself, you know, when I was reading the wintering, the ways you speak about motherhood and I'm like, oh man. And and there's just a lot of, you know, you're definitely smarter than me and you, (laughs) you have a cuter (laughs) accent and I think you're more organized and, but um, there's so many similarities that I, you know, it's such a feeling. I know it's mm, tricky sometimes when we read someone's book and we're like, we'd be best friends. You know, I get, I'm sure you get that all the time. Yeah. But, but and you, I when you read something it. and you go, oh, like, oh, I feel like I'm reading, I'm I'm like, I'm again, yeah. that feeling of being seen, right? I think that really straightforward people are really attracted to each other. I think like, I what I find very difficult about people is when they like dance around a subject and they don't want to talk about anything face on. And you're constantly wondering about like what you shouldn't say to them and what, what can't be mentioned and yeah. you know, whatever. You and I are both people that are like, right, here we go. We're not going to do small, small talk. We're going to go straight into this. <laughs> like, I yeah, love that. And, and I don't know. I just, just fell in love with you when I read your book. And then when I met you and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's my people. <laughs> and, you know, you're weird enough. Like, I'm so weird. And yeah, yeah. I, I love, I mean, I say that so lovingly because it really, I don't trust anyone that's not weird. But you. I only like weird people. You own it. And like, you know, your memoir, which I believe you wrote before wintering. Yeah, yeah. Before wintering. Yeah. Electricity of Every Living Thing. Yeah. A reckoning with like mm. Um, mm. and owning it. A reckoning with like the weirdnesses you know about and the weirdnesses that you can only perceive from other people's reaction to yeah. you. Like that's what that that's what it was like writing that book. But anyway, like my UK audience will be vomiting right now because we're being too nice to each other. So we've got to, <laughs> we've got to start being a bit meaner to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they won't be able to handle this. So, <laughs> so, so I was going to say this before we recorded and I said, let me wait. So right now I'm alone with my son and he's actually being amazing. I think, cause I told him I was talking to Santa later, but, um, he still sleeps with me and my husband's not here. And so normally I sleep without my hearing aids in, which means I'm deaf. Now I don't worry. Cause my husband wakes me up human alarm clock. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> but when he's not here, it's stressful because I have to sleep with my hearing aids in. And here's an aside. I just partnered with a hearing aid company, which is very exciting. Yeah. I got a free pair of hearing aids, which are like $7,000 and getting paid. I mean, I'm an influencer. Oh, wow. But it's really, it's a dream. So these are loud, but sleeping with them is not comfortable. Mm. It's like um, Mm -mm. when my head touches something, there's feedback and. Yeah. It's like sleeping with your glasses on or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, I just, I don't, yeah. I, I never want to sleep with them, but sometimes I have to. If I'm alone, like in a hotel room, mm. I have no way to wake up. The alarm clock, it streams through my hearing aids. So right. if I'm alone with Charlie, now he doesn't have school this week. So, you know, but, but I looked, I thought our thing was later and it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And I thought, shit, you know, because <laughs> I would have to sleep with my hearing aids. I mean, it's a whole thing, but it's yeah. not even that I couldn't get up. It's the anxiety around the idea of it, right? I have exactly the same thing if I've got to get up, yeah. I, I will wake all night if I know I've got to yes! get up. I mean, I get up early every morning, but if I know I've got to get up, I'll I'll be awake every half an hour. Well, I knew you did because like it'll, it'll be like nine o'clock here. We're texting. I'm like, why is this wacko up so early in England? Like, <laughs> But anyway, so I'm grateful that you switched it and I, I was able to sleep without my hearing aids, which makes it a lot easier to sleep. Yeah. Mm. So, so back to the, the, the wintering. I mean, I just love that. I love that as a, a verb too, I guess. Is that a verb? Yeah. It's always good to invent a new verb. Why not? You know, let's just, let's just bring new verbs in. Like while we're there, let's talk about your deafness because it took you a long time to like realize and accept that, didn't it? What was the, what was going on in your mind? Like, in those weeks and months when 
you knew really that you were deaf, but you didn't really want to go there. What was that like for so, you? It's, it's so great you're asking. I just, you know, I haven't been writing. I guess I've been in a wintering mode in that. And there's a lot of shame around that. And like, mm. and I and I started writing again. And like, I wrote a piece yesterday. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but talking a lot about that, like these new hearing aids, Catherine, I could mm. hear my son's voice. And I never heard it before. Oh. I mean, not... So it's really moving and it's bringing up a lot yeah. to think back on this. I created a movement, a movement. I sound so arrogant. I created a movement, folks, um, <laughs> called, <laughs> called shame loss. Instead of weight loss, let's talk shame loss. And the reason is because so much of my life was spent hiding from shame. Uh, I was so ashamed of my hearing loss and what I want to say to people is do not try to rationalize shame, you know, because I've had mm. people be like, I don't understand. Why would you be ashamed of that? It's like shame is irrational. OK, when I was a child and I used to concentrate color or write or whatever, I'd make this awful sound like a droning noise and people made fun of me. So I stopped doing it. I was like, Ooh. Mm. and I never talked about it as I got older. And I, and I began to really notice my hearing was going, I began to get, I was really terrified and a few things right. happened. I thought one, if I don't talk about it, if I don't acknowledge it, it'll go away. Friends mm -hmm. listening, that doesn't happen. No, D deafness famously doesn't tend to go away. <laughs> no, and but I still, as as an adult, a grown ass adult, I still grapple with that. Yeah, maybe if yeah. I avoid this, it'll it'll just disappear, you know. Or mm -hmm. so anyway, I would like if I don't name it, it'll go away. And I was scared. I was scared. Like if it's if it's like this now, and I'm twenty or whatever, then what's it going to be like yeah. when I'm forty? And 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 I thought I was broken. I already had a narrative in my head that I was a bad person because. You know, my dad died when I was eight after I yelled, I hate you to him. And he's, you know, he said, you're being bad. I said, I hate you. He dropped dead. I said, oh, it's my fault. I killed my father. Yeah. So I'm a bad person. And now I'm broken. You know, so there's all this stuff. Right. So I'm in acting school in my early 20s. And that's when I really started to notice it. Now, it's funny because if I think back at NYU. I always sat in the front. I always had to sit in the front. And I think, gosh, yeah, there's yeah, all these yeah. things I did. And like, people are always like, you don't pay attention. There's all a lifetime of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, that's because mm. I couldn't hear. Those links that we make are so, I mean, it's so interesting to me because I think, you know, it's really similar to me discovering I was autistic and the idea that, oh, I can maybe just try covering this up for longer. I can cover up like my profound difference and the profound ways I'm struggling in life. And like when I, when I read back electricity now, I can see some of the stuff that I was still concealing in there that I didn't want to say at the time because I felt ashamed of it. And it, I think that's really important, though. Now you can yeah. see it's really important that you documented that because that's how yeah. we see, like, I have, I have chills right now. That's how we go, wow, that's growth. And wow, I'm human. Mm. And like other, and, and it gives other people, I don't know, you know, hope, right? Go, oh, look, I was yeah. still grappling with shame there. Mm -mm. It's amazing. But you don't, sometimes you don't even realize you're yes. ashamed. Like you're, it's so ingrained and it's so... I, I feel like modern life is like a training ground for shame almost. Like everybody is ashamed of something and it's rarely that they've murdered someone and the body's buried in their backyard. It's like uh -huh. they're ashamed because their feet look weird or, they, you know, like it's... it's that's it, right? It's and it, that's why I say it's not logical. So don't even try. It's funny because as we're speaking, I'm like, oh, my next round of shame loss, usually it's like three. I want you to be a guest. I pay you. It's I had Paulina Poroskova um, come in April with me. You know, she's a supermodel and talk about shame around aging and stuff. But I, I definitely, mm. now that I'm talking to you, it's like about, you know, deafness and autism. And, and so I hope you'll say yes. Of course I'll say yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And it it's really, it's generative, it's collaborative. It's really a beautiful, mm. um, beautiful people who show up. Um, in my 20s, you know, I was in acting class and I was like, oh my God, I started noticing like I couldn't hear. And I started panicking and, and again, denying it. And I remember one Thanksgiving in my 20s, I was at friends, we were doing like a Friendsgiving, whatever you call it. And uh, in the States, like when you kind of get together with your friends and not your family and 
my friends basically had an intervention with me. Oh, wow. They were like, we need, you need to go to the audiologist, Jen. And I was, I was crying and, and they're like, we'll go with you. And I finally was like, okay. And then we're like, we never, we never followed through. I never, I blew it off yeah. and it, and it kept getting worse and worse. And I just denied, denied. Finally, after waitressing 13.5 years at the same joint and I did the yoga teacher training when I was in yoga teacher training and the teacher would say like, close your eyes for this meditation, the panic would set in. And I finally, yeah, cause you weren't sure you could hear to. Yeah. I admitted it. I was like, I, yeah. you know, I can't hear. And, and the, the, uh, the way my shoulders dropped down, the relief of that, I was like, wow. Mm. And mm. it was like the first time I said it out loud. And then the teacher started really taking care of me, making sure I would make, you know, right. and I thought, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. Oh my God, look how much easier my life could be. So I finally wrote a blog. I had been so ashamed and I was like, I would never wear hearing aids. You know, when I was a kid, right. they were huge and there was such a stigma. And I think there still is. Yeah. I wrote this blog, a silly blog. It basically was like, okay, finally I'm over the shame. If only I could afford them. <laughs> and somebody <laughs> that took my yoga class read it and got me a pair donated. When I went to the audiologist, I realized like, first of all, it's like, okay, you have no hearing. And and it's way worse now. This was like when I was, you know, 11 years ago now. I mean, I was mm. in my mid thirties when I got hearing aids. But when I went and I realized, you know, I have tinnitus, I have terrible tinnitus, which is ringing all mm. the time. I never do not yeah. have it. So going back to that sound I made as a child, it, I, it, it broke me when I realized, oh my God, yeah, I've had it my whole life. That. I was mimicking the sound in my head. And I got shamed for it. So I never talked about it. I never said like, hey, does anyone, you know, I just got used to it. And I'll say now, uh, sometimes it still gives me terrible anxiety. I've gotten pretty used to it. It's um, my threshold for pain is really high. Mm -hmm. I'm not so proud of that. But part of it is learning how to deal and live you with something to, like, you know, I'm yeah. going to shut the door like tinnitus, you know. <laughs> Um, because it's maddening, right? It's maddening. Yeah, it is. But do you know what? I mean, like I, cause I've had tinnitus all my life as well. I had, you know, like hearing problems when I was a child and now I have Meniere's disease, which yep. it causes like constant feedback in my ears. Yeah. And like, if, if someone slams a door across the, you know, the other side of the building, I feel it vibrate and there are like so, so you get it. that are painful. I absolutely get it. I mean, I obviously like my hearing is is not, you know, as effective as yours, but the parallels for me with getting an autism diagnosis, there's two things about like that link deafness and autism. And one is it is like the thing that you don't want to have as a younger person. Like it's not going to go on your dating profile. You know, you're terrified that people won't love you or find you attractive or find you interesting or fun because you've got this, you're burdened with this thing. But the other thing is it affects something that I think is really important to you and I, which is like listening to people and hearing them and conversing with them. And the, the huge fear for me when I learned I was autistic was that I didn't want people to think that I was not a, a listener, not like an interactive person. Because I know, it's awful, that right? That stereotype it's, it's... is out there and it's not true. And yeah, it's like that idea that you might be someone who doesn't hear and doesn't listen and isn't fully present in the conversation, which is so important to me. And I, I found that idea devastating and it wasn't true. I, that was a stupid thing. I knew... You're preaching to the choir because... Oh man, we could talk so much about this. this. Is why I'm excited, you know, to have you in Shame Loss now that we're really getting into this. You know, um, that was always what people said to me, and I and I'll tell you what. Like the, the irony now is I've built a career out of listening, and I'm really proud mm -hmm. of that. Like I'm deaf, small D deaf, yeah. different than capital D deaf, which is deaf culture. You know, usually there's no sound. They communicate with ASL and sign language. Mm -hmm. um, I've made a career out of listening as, as a deaf lady. That's really cool. Um, yeah. But I've always, you know, I've always been a really good listener. And so the fact that people had that perception of me, that either I wasn't yeah. a good listener or a snob or entitled or all the things. And people are human. We all do it. We make up stories. I don't present mm -hmm. as a deaf person. You know, they don't look at you and think of the, you know, the idea we have of what no. autism looks like, no, right? That's right? Oh, yeah. so, so they're like, she's just elitist or she's just, um, 
Uh, well, arrogant, aloof, like they're the stuff that I used to get when, I, you know, when actually like my social cues were just different. And it used to just devastate me because I was always the person in the room trying the hardest to be nice and make everyone feel welcome. And like it and still it was being read as standoffishness and it drove me crazy. It's hard. And it's like I, I you know, I was writing this essay the, yesterday and talking about. Again, I feel like you and I have so many overlaps here, but I always felt like I'm on the outside, just slightly, you know, and I still do. I still do. If I'm telling the truth, not right now and not when I'm the leader, which is why I'm Mm -hmm. really fucking good. I am. But when I'm vulnerable, when I'm like in a group or I'm not. So if I'm the leader, if I'm leading a class. You know, maybe you'll come to my workshop in London. You'll see people share and I will scoot in really close. I won't get too close. I won't touch you, <laughs> but <laughs> we've already had that negotiation. <laughs> yeah, but I know you're I know your boundary I, and I know you're I'm not you know, I'm serious. Like I won't make I, you uncomfortable. I, I have promised you a truly awkward half hug. And I just think that's great. I think you should go with that offer. <laughs> no, for sure. But I just mean like I'm not going to like I'm going to respect your boundaries, Um, but I have yeah, to get in no, close to here. Yeah. And I don't want to do that if like you're leading a class. I don't just get up and, you know, but when I'm leading the class, <laughs> I could do whatever I want. Right. But like in yeah. a group dinner or any, any, like I, I find myself so often excusing myself or looking at my phone, not because I'm a snob, not because I'm addicted to the phone, which I am, but because <laughs> I can't, I can't keep up. I can't navigate and it's yeah. exhausting. And then the, the, how stupid I feel all the time. Right. What? Huh? Huh? What are you talking about? You know, and and it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to do the big social act around making other people feel okay with your disability. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Like, you have to like feather bed it for them because I can often only, particularly in like busy environments, I can only often hear out of my uh, right ear. So I often have to turn to one side and I think some people think I'm turning away from them, but I'm not, I'm trying to li- I'm trying to hear them. <laughs> it's funny too, like constantly, the, the example I always think of is coffee shops, you know, where, where, they're taking your order, you know, and they'll say something and I'll go, they'll say like, what's your name? And I'll say, pardon? And they'll say, what's mm. your name? As if, <laughs> as if I was just yeah. checked out. And I go, and, and granted, sometimes I go, I'm, de-, you know, I say it to kind of go, I yeah, go, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. deaf. I'm, and a lot of times I apologize, which I hate, but I'll go, I'm, oh, I'm deaf. I read lips. You know, they have a mask on, let's say. And then they, they go, I'm so sorry. I go, it's okay. You wouldn't know. And yeah. then I, you know, it's this whole like weird apology. Now, I do think there's a, there's a, let's say lesson that sounds sort of like preachy, but it, I'm always reminded of just compassion and patience, you know, like we don't mm. know, we don't know. And it's easy to just mm. assume, oh, this person, oh, this person. It's so true. I, and you know what, actually, like, I've become more compassionate for understanding how I'm received, actually. Like, it's, it makes me often just deliberately stop and think, oh, maybe this person isn't being rude. Right. I, can I tell you a story that will make you really laugh? Like, I had a, I did an event the other week, a live event. And it was like, it was like living through an anxiety dream. Like, check, check in with all of this and see if it makes you anxious just hearing it right. So we we go online for the sound check and they say to me, what we want you to do, Catherine, is have one earphone in to listen to the interviewer. And then we want you to have your phone on speaker so we can talk to you at the same time. And I was like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to handle that. Like, I'm not going to be able to handle two people talking to me at once. And they were like, well, TV presenters do it. And I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm like not a TV presenter. Exactly. And I said, so anyway, won't that feed back? And they were like, no, no, it won't feed back. And I was like, because if it feeds back, like I have this problem with my ears and it will be really, really painful and I will not be able to deal with it. It won't feed back. Please try it. Turn the phone on. You know, you can just imagine the feedback loop from this to, uh, it was hideous. So I turned it off and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they're like, okay, fine. Um, So when we dial in, we won't do it like that. And we'll just, I guess we'll just have to text you. And, you know, like I felt terrible for, you know, I had to really assert. Right, like you failed. And they were like, the other writer was doing it earlier. And I was like, you know, I just, it was really dreadful. They were being so nice, but they didn't realise it was mean. You know, they were, ah, anyway. So we log on later. And they immediately text, say, can you put your speakerphone on? I was like, no, I can't. We've already ad- agreed. Like, like oh, well, we'll try and text stuff. I was like, okay. Got 20 minutes into the interview and their end internet started cutting out. 
And for the final 25 minutes of the live broadcast, I had to just present alone with them texting going, keep going, it's fine. Is that not like an anxiety dream that's uh, come yeah, to that literally, That literally is like my dream. Every night of like, <laughs> I'm still in school failing my math test or I'm going, yeah, total. <laughs> Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I'm just pausing mid-podcast to tell you a bit about my new Patreon, which I'm really excited to launch. I've been trying to think for a long time how to make this podcast sustainable. And this will really, really help us to keep making more episodes. I am always telling other people how it's really good to let everyone else help them. And so I guess I'm taking a bit of my own medicine here. The brilliant thing that the Patreon feed lets me do is to make an extra special bonus episode just for subscribers once a month, which will go out on the Patreon feed. And in that, you'll get a bit more of me. If you're sick of the sound of my voice, then maybe this isn't for you. But if you're not, then I'll be talking about the things that are inspiring me at the moment, the books I'm reading, the culture I'm absorbing, the news stories, everything that I'm taking in, I'm going to share with you on that. It'll be really chatty and fun. I'll also be inviting questions from the Patreon community that I'll answer in the podcast. So it'll give you the chance to, I don't know, tell me stuff, ask me questions, give me problems to solve, see if I can help. I'm a bit of an advice giver. It's maybe not my most endearing quality, but some people seem to like it. The other amazing opportunity for my Patreon community will be that you'll be able to ask questions of my guests in advance. And you'll receive the answers to those questions in a special subscriber-only version of the podcast that's extended to include the Q&A. So it's going to feel really, really exclusive and cool. And you'll be able to get your voice into the podcast, which will be really amazing. You'll get the podcast a day early and it will always be ad-free. I haven't added ads yet to the widely available version of the podcast, but you know, I may well do in the future. But your version as Patreon subscriber will always, always be ad-free. And there'll be special discounts on my courses and events, early booking links, chances to get signed copies of my books, all kinds of like special community bonuses for the people who have, you know, already hugely supported my work. It's my chance to give you some extras. So... In return, I also get help from you with the costs of producing and transcribing and administering this podcast, which I love doing, but it's quite difficult to keep it up sometimes. So I'd love your help if you can afford to. If you can't, don't worry. It will always be the same podcast available free wherever you get it right now. And you should not feel bad about that. That's absolutely fine. But for the first month that the Patreon is open, I'm going to be offering a year's subscription for half price. So just £2.50 in UK money a month for the first year of your membership. It will only be for that first month. After that, it will revert to full cost, which is £5 a month. 
So if you're keen, get in early and help me to get this going. And I will be letting you know straight away about the first bonus episode, which is due very soon. And also the chance to ask questions of my next crop of guests. Thank you for all your support so far. I love it. I love talking to you all and I love your enthusiasm. And now back to Jen. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of like different things I've done, you know, with photo shoots or, or anything where yeah. I, um, I can't hear them if they're over there or if the cameras, you know, and then I panic and uh, it's just um, mm. all I know now is I it, and this can be exhausting, too. But what I say is I lead with the thing that caused me shame. And I don't mean that everyone has to tell everyone everything. I think that's a bullshit, no. you know. No, but I won't hide anymore. So as much as I can, I will immediately disclose that. Oh, I read lips. You know, it just saves me. It It's purely yeah. like, first of all, it's, it's so much less um, anxiety inducing for me than pretending I can keep up. Yeah. Faking it, seeing how long you can keep up the fake act. Of yes. And, yeah. and, and then it's like, it gives the, the other person can be more aware to like, look, it just, and then I take all the story away. There's no story. It just is what it is. I read lips yeah. or death without, you know, and, you know, where before it was just all oh, my shame around it. And now I'm like right there. Mm-hmm. Now it does get exhausting. It's like every single moment of every day. It's like constantly being like, I'm, you know, but you know how it is. It is. It, it is like everyone has. Something. <sighs> yeah, it's exhausting. It's a, and yeah. and I'm tired all the time from working so hard to hear, which is why I'm grateful for these new hearing aids. They're a lot mm-hmm. louder, some a bit too loud, in fact, but the, the constant um, effort of trying to hear. Yeah, it's exhausting. It must be exhausting. And not only that, of you know, because a lot of times it's not even that I can actually hear, but I can after a moment, it, it lands in my head and contextually I can put it together. So it's like mm. it's like puzzles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so interesting to talk about this and talk about the the fear of like not being loved or liked or accepted or heard or, you know, all of those things. And it strikes me that, you know, as well as your kind of movement for shame loss, which I'm I'm absolutely right behind. But you also talk a lot about holding other people, you know, your your tattoo uh, which is, I got you, right? Is that right? I got you, there it is. Are you going to show me? Can I see? Can I see it out? Yay, there it is. The only one I have. Yep. Can we talk a bit about that? I'm really interested in that because uh, I'm interested in, I don't know, like the interconnectedness that that represents. But can, I, also can I tell you about, something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I talk about, it's funny because I, I was a little bit late for you because I'm on an app called Mind. So everyone listening, it's M-I-N-E-D. And it's like a self-help app. There's all these different people that do videos and it's just great. Um, I talk about, you know, it's about embodying that energy and you embody that. Like I think about how a couple things about you that I really like, you know, that I love. You're you're so obviously like you want me to win, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I got you. Right. Mm. And I think about a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was, when I, when I was working on my new book proposal and I sent you some stuff and like right away, you were like, here, boom, and you helped me with it. There was no there was just completely like I got you, Jen. You didn't say that, but that's what you were being. That's it. Yeah. That's what you were yeah. being, you know. Well, helping is a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to help people. Well, well, absolutely. I think so, too. And I mean, I think there's so many layers, though. I think. First of all, having a parent, you know, yanked away so young, it makes sense that I have a bullshit story, as I call it, that there's not enough. Right. And that I don't know, when I was a kid, I thought God hated me, which is so sad. I know. I mean, my son's five. And last night, you know, he was like, I miss daddy. And it kills me because my sister was five when my dad died. And I think like Mm. it's (laughs) so. um, Mm. The not enoughness was a place I came from for most of my life. Everything yeah. was from a place of lack. And when I started, like, you know, as a every day putting that belief down and doing things that reinforce the opposite, such as there is enough. So if anyone follows me mm. on social media, let's say, one of the things I'm really good at and I do a lot is support other people, promote other people, lift other people up. And I do that. 
I do that for them, but also for me to remind myself there is enough. You don't have to hold on to the bullshit story that there's not, you know, just because Catherine book is a success or this or that, or it doesn't mean, you know, and that is like, I got you. It's the reminder that there's enough. And and that we're supported. You know, there also is a tendency, I think, mm. for a lot of people to be like, no one has me and I'm not, you know, and it's bullshit. It doesn't, yeah. it can be one person. It could be a bunch of people. And I think, you know, the other thing is when we allow ourselves to be just supported, we realize, and I'm really good at asking for help. I just gave a talk on mm-hmm. that and I get a ton of yeses and I get a ton of no's, friends listening. And And the yeah. thing is, I don't let that shut me down or I let it shut me down for a short period of time as opposed to going, well, they said, no, I'm worthless. I'm never going to ask again. I'm going to stop writing. I'm going to, sh-. I go, all right. And I, you know, and um, we, we ask for help and we allow ourselves to be supported, you know, and, and it's about reciprocity and how I got you can look so many different ways. So for example, in the beginning of the pandemic, when I had kind of a, breakdown because I lost all my work, my income, and I'm the breadwinner. I turned to Instagram and I was like, do you, I did a post that said, do you have enough food to eat? This was before you followed me. I guess I do you have enough food to eat. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I thought like, I'm going to buy everybody groceries. You know, I didn't didn't have any money. And, And to be clear, full disclosure, I've lived in my apartment 19 years and my rent is very cheap. I'm very blessed. So my overhead was low. So I lost everything. And thank God, I lived in a dorm room. Thank God I lived in a 500 square foot rent control apartment. Okay. So I posted your food to eat because I knew that not that I would like personally feed all the people, but this community had cultivated this energy of, I got you that they would step in. And that's exactly what happened. So someone would Mm -hmm. be like, I, you know, I lost my job. Another person would send money or groceries and I, and this started happening. And then I stepped in and, and this other woman help me. And we were like, let's do this. And we, and basically I created a movement and we raised $150,000 to get people groceries and feed people. And I was doing Instagram lives and raising money. And and that was, mm. I got you. And it wasn't necessarily me pulling money out of my pocket. Uh, it was me. Yeah. I have, I have a platform. I hate that word, but like, I got, you can look like so many different things. It can look like mm. what you did helping me with with the writing. It can look like, you know, checking in on someone. It can look like listening. It can look like giving your elder, el- elderly neighbor a ride. It can look like yeah. whatever, right? Just, t- and it's often tiny, just, just letting people feel cared for. But can I ask about the opposite of that? Because actually yes. boundaries have to come in at some point as well. And that's something that I find very, very hard. Cause like, I always want to help everybody. Yes, yes, and yes. I have Ooh, I love find- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm always having to find ways to remind myself to stop because otherwise I get completely burnt out. And, and you know, like when you write a book like The Electricity of Every Living Thing, people read it and they realise they're autistic just the same as I did. And I'm the person they want to come to. And I can't help everybody on their individual journey on that. And I, I like I, I find that really painful because I would deeply love to. I'd like to like physically walk every single person through that journey and hug them as virtually or or not virtually as they want. Like I, but I can't. And I, I find that really hard. How do you, how do you cope with the boundary setting that you must have to do at the other side? I find it hard and I get lectured by a lot of my friends, especially my friends who aren't (laughs) as open as I am. They're like, Jennifer, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better since I have a kid. And I know you understand that, right? I've gotten a lot better at it because of, of experience and, and like just mm. going, oh, well, I, I am completely depleted. I find it really, really hard. And, you know, especially after my book came out, then it, it, it became even greater. But yeah, it's exponential, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because more people than than knew my book. And think about this. My tagline, right, is I got you. So anytime that I can't, it's like, yeah, but you're the I got you lady. (laughs) I mean, okay, so. And then also consider the fact that I've developed a reputation as like, you need money? Ask Jen. She raises money. So think about those two things, right? It's really hard. And I can't help everyone. And so I'm really discerning. And Mm. I also am really clear now that sometimes I got you the way that my I got you looks is like you can sign up for my retreat or my workshop or my yoga class or read my book. I can't be best friends with everyone. I can't, you know, 
So I got you is within boundaries and it looks different for every single person. I, the session I just did actually was called on having your own back. And I think yeah. having boundaries is about that, right? Like, so going, what, so me having my own back is knowing I can say no to someone and the world won't collapse. It doesn't mean that everyone mm. will hate me just because one person may be disappointed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we absolutely cannot help everyone. And I, I struggle with that, like nobody's business. Um, mm. But I, I'm really, really clear that I, also I got you cannot be a manipulation. Like people cannot like use that at me, you know, or, or like I'll say, don't apologize, you know. And what I mean is don't apologize for taking up space. Don't apologize for for um, having autism. Don't apologize. Yeah. Mm. Apologize if you're a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are some definitely some things some people should apologize for. Absolutely. Like, really but people go, well, Jen, you said never to apologize. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now. No, no, no. Yeah. The art of apologizing yeah. is 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 really important. But you know, you don't don't apologize for for like, you know, being you or for asking for salad mm. dressing. But yeah, right. <laughs> Women like I used to weigh tables. Can um I'm sorry, can I get salad dressing? Um, I think, you know, having having boundaries and being able to know that we can't help everyone. I can't raise money for everyone. I can't say yes to everyone. I can't blurb everybody's book. Mm. But like, you know, shame loss is a way of I got you. And and me me sharing of myself without without hiding anymore, I think mm. is, is a way of, I got you because yeah, it can help someone else who maybe is ashamed and terrified of their own depression or hearing loss, you know? Yeah. And I, like, I, you know, I think a lot about how, I mean, like whenever I see your tattoo, I think how it's a message to yourself as well. Like I, I've got your back too. Like I've got my own back. I'm going to look after myself too. Because we can't help if we're not well cared for in the first place. And I want to model that behavior. I want to, it's important to me to have role model behavior. And I don't always, I'm human, you know, but it's important to me. And that's why like recently, especially this month, I'm really proud of myself because I've been doing that. I've been keeping commitments to myself. I've been saying no more. I've been Mm. modeling what it looks like to say I got you to myself instead of just everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been like the huge transformation in my life is like, Keeping acres of my diary free because it turns out that's what I need to stay well. I mean, Same. it's it's not like a luxury. It's it's really Same. survival for me. Same. And I was shortening my life. I mean, there's just no, there's no doubt about it. And I, you have to, yeah, I can help as much as I can help, but I can't always help personally. And so I do stuff like have a podcast, you know, <laughs> like that's how, that's often the best way that I can, I can help. I think it took me until my mid forties. And so I think, oh, maybe someone listening's 30 and they're going to get it a little younger. And I don't regret anything. I mean, that's a fib. I do. I regret saying I, I hate you as the last thing to my dad. And I sort of regret yeah. not getting my degree from NYU, but you know, I, I try to, I try to have a life as with as little regrets as possible. I don't regret anything. I, you know, I am where I am right now. It's beautiful, but like, man, had I gotten here a little younger, would have saved me a lot of grief, right? Like mm. not trying mm. to please everyone all the time and worry that they're going to like me and all that exhausting yeah. nonsense. So yeah, I got you is, is, um, but I just think it's a, it's a beautiful way to be. And I think we're so, yeah. you know, I love community. I, I don't know about God. I, that's where I find God and connection. And it doesn't even have to be like a lot of people necessary, but deep connection, that that's God to me. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I got you is everything. It's lovely. It's such a beautiful phrase and it doesn't really work like in my English accent. It works much better in your accent. <laughs> There's so many things like that. I don't know. It does work. I've, had to but... put, I've got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Because it's like you're proper, you know, my mother-in-law, like she wouldn't, she would say, I've got you. Charlie. Yeah. She's coming for the first time in two years. We haven't seen her in two years. Oh, wow. I know. Um, Like since I bought a house. So, you know, she'd always stay with us in our one bedroom on our sofa. And so this is it's going to be like a whole, um, you know, talk about wintering. I'm 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 in a like a small town now. I mean, I imagine my life is is I I don't if, if you're near the water. I'm about 12 miles from the water. But it's a similar, just cozy, kind of like mm. energetic. I feel really good here in my body. I think that's how you are where you live, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the right place for me. 
Yeah. So I'm, I, I bought a house, you know, which I've, I've kept kind of a bit quiet and it's in my happy place where I would have been leading retreats forever. And I never allow myself to first of all, fantasize that I'd own a house or even really leave mm. my apartment, which is depressing when I think about it, just how small I kept myself because of fear. And I always was like, this is my happy place. Like maybe one day I'll have a weekend home there. Right. I never imagined like living here full time. Now, I can't imagine anything else. It's the best thing I've ever yeah. done besides having my son. Yeah. I do not miss L.A. And I think about your book a lot because it feels like it feels like wintering. I, I feel like I'm like nesting and, and like mm, the good parts. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like my street doesn't have street lights. It's dark. And like and like you could see the stars. And I just nice. feel I feel really connected to the earth and I feel grounded and comfortable and like I don't want to travel as much mm. you know mm. there's like you just want to be home yes mm. yes you find your place oh that's so lovely so before we go uh I just I want to ask you finally about inner assholes <laughs> another thing that doesn't sound as good in my accent no it sounds better when you say it, asshole no 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 we we like we elongate it too much you know it's like it's too yeah, our asshole. It's like it becomes too much about the arse rather than about anything else. Anyway, <laughs> but I I want to ask you finally about because you do you do yoga to quiet the inner asshole, and I love that concept. But can you share with the listeners who who the inner asshole is and what we do about them? Well, first of all, I believe. I mean, I think. Look, I'm not in your mind, but I think everyone has one. And mm. we, let's talk about seasons, right? Oh, hell yeah. There are seasons of our life where the inner asshole runs the show. There are seasons of our life, days where it's quieter, sometimes it's louder. And it depends, right? Like, I think I'm going through perimenopause, right? So hormones are mm. wacky and my inner a-hole is louder. You know, when you're tired, when you're not sleeping, when you're hungover, when you've just been rejected, your inner asshole is going to be louder. I think the work of our lives is, and this is a really fairly recent epiphany. It's not, I've, I've always been like, huh, okay, that's my inner asshole examples of things that said, like, you're not a real writer, Jen. Mm. Or I don't know, like, you'll always, you, you know, you're always going to be broke. Just things that, that the inner asshole says that um, I don't tend to use words like negative or positive. They're so binary, but like mm. things that open you up rather than uh, things that shut you down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think recently I realized, oh, so it's not just about quieting the inner asshole. Well, I used to think it was killing it. And I go, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite violent. Well, yeah, but not only that, then you wake up, it's in a bed with you again. You're like, okay, I guess I didn't kill it. So let's quiet it so that it's not, it's not actually the loudest voice. So I realized recently it's about offering it compassion. So it's like, okay, I see you, I get you, and I don't need you. Not today, Satan. Mm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because I think ultimately the inner asshole, whatever it's saying to us, you know, and this is very like, probably psychology 101, but is like trying to protect us, right? So the inner asshole is like, you know, you should be quiet or, you know, because it thinks it's like we're going to get hurt. And so we offer yeah. compassion, go, I don't need you, not today. And it's every single day because it, I don't think it's like, well, I got rid of my inner asshole. It's never coming back because something will trigger it, right? Yeah. It's always going to be a practice. Like it's like so many things, like we can't solve this. Like you, you can't kill it, but you can learn to live with it in a way that's a bit more constructive than many of us have experienced. Yeah. And I, I'd say the biggest, the biggest thing for me these days is levity and humor. You know, I think life mm. is hard and like we take ourselves so seriously and the world is shit. And like, mm. so if you can't laugh and have a sense of humor about things, you're screwed. So like, the, I'm always like, find the funny and the levity. And especially with the things our, our inner asshole says, like start to laugh at them, like laugh at the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. I really, I think that's really true. And I, I mean, like in a, you know, sorry, this is probably a bit darker than we were, but I used to have a lot of suicidal thoughts as a teenager and into my twenties. And I learned to live with those by mocking them. Like that was the That's only exactly thing. That's exactly what I'm talking about, Catherine. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Them. It was like this little voice that didn't know when to shut up. And it and I realised it was a habit rather than anything very boom, boom. real. Boom. You, know? you just hit the and nail on the head. Boom. 
I learned to say like, oh, there you are again. Of course you're going to pipe up. You know? <laughs> and, and like I'll ask people when they, when they you know, because I coach people less these days, you know, I'm really discerning. But one of the things, you know, I ask them a bunch of questions like, and I say, you don't have to answer all of them, but I just want to get a feel, you know, what are some of the things your inner asshole says to you? You know, what are some bullshit stories you want to work on? Does your inner asshole have a name? And usually I ask that because I think it makes people laugh, but it makes them personify yeah. it a bit. Personify and, um, it, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. friend my friend Marley Grace calls hers Roger. <laughs> that is the perfect name for an asshole. I know it is. It's so funny. But you hit the nail on the head with the habits. And that's why, you know, with my next book, I'm talking about daily practices because that, when I had that breakdown in the beginning of COVID and the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, how did I get here again? Huh, I've done all this work and I wrote a best-selling book and blah, blah. Because it's about daily practices. It's not like you kill the inner asshole and that's it. It's not like you reach enlightenment and that's it. It's not like you get happy and that's it. It just doesn't work Mm. that way. It's Mm. like, what are you Mm. doing every day to, to shift the habit? to put down the shame, to quiet the inner asshole, to, to, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's whatever it is, but every single day that, that, that the habits that we create and and they can be really hard to break these patterns. And I like it. It's so, once you start paying attention to them and you notice their behavior, it's quite shocking the idiot stuff they say to you. I mean, honestly, like mine would pipe up like I'd had a you know slightly snappy interaction with somebody serving me coffee and it would be like you're worthless you know and after a while I started to notice it and think are you kidding me like someone was rude to me in Starbucks that does not count as worthless and it's it's so interesting I think you know consciousness to it again I'm in my 40s and I'm like man, if only it was like this in my 20s, because I would have been, I'm this, you know, so sensitive. Like if someone's mean to me or or whatever, it's like, oh my God, I'm like, I don't even deserve to be a person. And a lot of that is because I had that narrative of I'm a bad person. And so I'd look for, Mm -hmm. you know, validation Mm -hmm. anywhere. And it makes sense for you. Like, think about like, you you know, you you didn't have your diagnosis. You're like trying to figure out your, like, where do I fit in? Who am I? How am I? How come I'm not like everyone else? Yeah. And and your experience is often of interactions going wrong. Like there's some there's some research down into autistic people that like our timing is different to like our conversational timing is different to neurotypical people. And the way you experience that is interactions failing over and over again. And, you know, you can really take it to heart. Of course you can. But having that self-knowledge just really helps to be able to say, Oh, that went wrong again. Like that's that's all you have to say about it. Like that interaction went wrong. It makes me want to cry though, because I, you know, having this conversation with you, I didn't know this was. I mean, I, we had no idea where this was going to go today, but oh, no, the, no. the overlaps, you know. So I'm, I am excited yeah, yeah. about the shame loss thing because you know I have that same experience all the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. especially before I started being honest, you know, about my about my hearing loss, but. And I remember when I, when I finally started like telling people, especially at the restaurant when I was waiting tables, this was the reaction I got. Oh, mm, that makes sense. Or, oh yeah, we thought you were just an error. You know, I hate that. I know. But I realized like, you know, how I was occurring to people. Holy shit. And it's like you said, it's exact opposite of how I wanted to occur. No, yeah. I'm someone who pays attention. I'm, you know, and I was, I was, I was like occurring, like, it's just because I couldn't hear. <laughs> and and that's such a simple thing. Like so much shame unpacks from it on your side and so much judgment on the other side because of, you know, and that would be because of their shame and their anxiety about who they are and how they're received. Right. And that becomes this big ball of horrible shit. Yeah, so how can <laughs> like, we together, you and I together, we're going to, you know, it's going to be really beautiful. And I think, <laughs> I think like a huge way that I've discovered is just talking about it, is naming it, right? Yeah. It really is. It's like, it's it's like uh, why I lead with the thing that caused me shame. Because once we talk about it, it's like, oh, it's not so big, bad and scary anymore. And it's less awkward. Mm. And we feel, we realize we're not alone. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's so tough. It's wonderful. And like maybe one day, maybe, maybe not, we can make art from it or something, right? That's what we do. We've already made art from it. I know. Quite pleased with that. Jen, thank you. It's been so amazing to talk to you. I just, 
Oh, I feel like we could talk for three hours and I need to, we will. I need to I not do that. I wait to be with you. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bummed you don't watch TV because I'm obsessed with this show right now and I wanted to talk to you about it. Damn <sighs> Man, you. I don't mean to not watch TV, but I don't I can't imagine when people get the time. Like, well, I, it's the every... only way I get myself to exercise on my silly elliptical. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's wise. I watch it because yeah. otherwise I can't, it's depressing just to like be on there, you know. Yeah, it's am. not like like walking in nature is different, you know, but like just being on yeah, the yeah, scene. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's a show called Borgen. Oh. It's Danish. <laughs> it's political. But all the shows I love are like British and like take place around <laughs> where you live. And so, um, yeah, I'm always like, oh, we're going to talk about our British shows. But no. Um, you know I'm what? so hopeless. Yeah, no, I am really hopeless. I've missed, I don't know, I've I've now missed so many major TV series I, that everyone loves. Like that I've given up my hope. friend streaming. Look, you can oh, like, you man, know. I can't catch up. I can't catch up. It's well, too you late. You need to catch up. It's too late for me. You have to leave me behind. So I'm excited to be with you in London and Nigella, which is random. <laughs> and you asked me, you asked me how. <laughs> How we connected. I said Instagram, where I've made a lot of my friends. Um, yeah. And she's just lovely, and I love her. And um, and so I was like, I won't make you cook for us. She was like, I quite enjoy it. I was like, great then. So, um, <laughs> but I, I, I can't wait to be with you in person. And I haven't been there in two years. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, my mother-in-law lives there, and I and my brother-in-law, and I have so many friends, and I feel... I just I'm really looking forward to being there and especially in the winter, you know, we don't really get winter yeah, here. Yeah. So we'll, we'll winter together. You will, you will be midwinter. It will be it will be the grimmest kind of shortest, miserablest days. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, you lovely person. It has been so great to talk to you. you and um, yeah, I look Thanks forward to for meeting you in person. Um, I, um, I can't wait to be with you. It's going to be the blink of an eye. I know it's going to be really soon. Christmas first and then that. <laughs> tide's coming in I don't know if you'll be able to hear it but I can it changes noise when it turns round you start to hear it coming back towards you I love that sound the seagulls seem to be calming down a bit for which we can all be thankful we're only I don't know two or three weeks away from midwinter now from the moment when the days stop getting shorter and start getting longer again. I started marking it for the first time when I wrote Wintering and I've done it ever since. Can't wait to do it this year. It's normally around the 21st of December. I get out onto the beach because actually I get a really brilliant view of the sunset in Whitstable and I just spend some time out there. I light a fire, have a couple of friends who join us but it's a quiet affair. It's not a party. I only want to be with people who are happy to fall into quiet contemplation at those moments. And, you know, we, we light our fire, we watch the sun go down, and we notice how far the sun has travelled across the sky. It's really remarkable. I never realised it even happened. So we watch it set over the marshes at Seasalter. And... Just enjoy that feeling of change coming through the year. I try and get up early the next morning before the sun rises. I'm normally up before sunrise anyway in the winter. But I try and make sure I'm outside for the sunrise as well. And that's a moment that I like to spend on my own. Sometimes light a little candle out there. I like a candle. Sometimes... It's that opportunity to feel change happening, to feel those transitions, just to sense them. They're really important to me. Anyway, I don't know if any of you celebrate midwinter. I'd love to hear if you do. Do tell me. So that's quite enough midwinter rambling from me. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Jen for such a wonderful conversation. I loved talking to her. I always feel like I want to spend hours in her company yelling stuff at each other. I love those kind of conversations where your voices overlap because you're so excited to talk to each other. If you, like me, think she is a wonderful, warm, wise soul, do pick up her book. It's great on being human. 
available everywhere. It's just so open and vulnerable, full of things that you can't stop yourself relating to so hard. And just full of wisdom too. She has this way of spinning out phrases that are massively memorable and comforting. I think you'll love it. Do check it out. And thanks to my producer, Buddy Peace, who also composes the theme tune to this podcast. I feel really lucky to have a bespoke theme tune. It's ridiculous, isn't it? How cool am I? Brackets, not very cool. Buddy is. So he does that. Thank you, Buddy. And thank you to Megan Hutchins, who holds everything together, not just for the podcast, but for most of my life. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Do check out that Patreon page. Do have a look in the show notes to connect up with Jen and keep warm and well. See you soon. Thank you.